If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can check out any one of their 17 Colorado locations or you can go online to mygreensolution.com. Either way, use that promo code DNBR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. Let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on today's episode, I want to do some Q&A with our folks here live on the Facebook. No Periscope today. I was having some weird issues. I've had a, a couple of technical difficulties lately. In fact, I've got a couple of podcasts I've already recorded that I didn't post that I thought I posted. Some individual player career retrospectives. So you're going to get a bunch of podcasts here. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Eve to everyone who's listening to this. That will be my gift to you. You guys are about to get a ton of podcasts, but some of that's because I failed to uh, post the ones I recorded in the first place. Uh, So it's going to be a bit of a hodgepodge. I do have some conversation about the outfield that I want to get into uh, related to an article that I wrote recently, but unfortunately, I have to begin with the Nolan Arenado rumors, and I'll begin that conversation by saying I want to spend as little time on this as possible because I hate giving it legs. I hate giving it any kind of credibility, even by discussing it at all. The fact that there continues to be articles and segments on MLB Network and tweets from national writers about this is not indicative. And this is the reason why, because I've seen a couple local people, a couple people I I know and respect say, you know, I didn't really think there was anything to this, but now there's so much smoke, there must be a fire somewhere. 
And this is not smoke. This is hot air that's all stemming from the same original rumors. There hasn't been any additional reporting. There hasn't been somebody else that's come out and said, I have another source that says the Rockies are interested in trading Nolan Arenado. That hasn't happened. I want to be very clear right now that all that has gone on is the very initial, at the start of winter meetings, teams called. Jeff Breidich didn't hang up immediately because he never does. Love it or hate it, that is his philosophy that you always listen to whatever somebody wants to offer you. This has always been the case. He's given this answer many times about other players as well. There's, there's just less concern about them uh, than there is Nolan right now. But that's it. Nothing further has happened. There wasn't another series of calls. There wasn't a follow-up with Jeff Breidich, right? Where the newest articles are still just snowballing off of those original rumors, which in no way indicated that the Rockies have any interest in trading Nolan Arenado whatsoever, unless they're absolutely blown away with an offer. So rather than this being, oh, there's so much smoke, there must be a fire. This is really one of those, how many times does something have to be repeated before whether or not it's true, people just believe it is because they've heard it so many times. And then that's what's going on with these rumors. People are starting to believe them just because so many people are talking about them. There have been so many articles. Now everyone wants to write their own fantasy trade scenario. Uh, every different fan blog out there wants to figure out how they would get Nolan Arenado. And I want to be honest with you, I've thought about jumping in on that it, just from an intellectual standpoint, it's interesting to consider what would it take for the Rockies to trade Nolan Arenado. And and then the other thing is that, that, that kind of works in tandem with that is that some people have said to me, Drew, why doesn't Jeff Breidich just put an end to all of this, make all Rockies fans feel better by coming out and saying, I'm not trading Nolan Arenado. One, like I said, part of it's just, it's not his philosophy. He doesn't do that. He's never once come out and said, and most GMs don't, honestly, uh, I'm never going to trade this guy because all kinds of things can happen. And you want, if another team's going to make a stupid move and give you their three best pitching prospects and take his entire contract and they're all major league ready and a couple of relievers on top, you know, if they get crazy, you have to be open to doing that. And so uh, I said to somebody today, you know, yeah, I understand that would make a lot of people feel better, but I still don't think that's the right business move to make, to say, no, we're absolutely not going to trade Nolan. Other than the fact that that's just not commonly a thing that GMs do, I, I just don't, you know, from a business standpoint, there is a reason why so many people are running with this, because there is a logic that makes sense for the Rockies to explore this. My contention has always been this is way too early for it to actually happen, but it's not too early for Jeff Breidich to be figuring out what it might eventually look like should this need to happen. And I don't believe for a moment that Nolan Arenado's confidence is shaken by this or that he's going to be mad at Jeff Breidich that other teams are calling and asking about him. You know, when players 
leave a team they've been at forever for big money and free agency, they get to use the phrase, hey, this is a business. And when GMs are doing their due diligence to see if there may be a way for the team to actually get better and move on without Nolan Arenado, they get to use that phrase as well. Hey, it's a business. And they've been in a pretty lockstep loyal relationship for a long time. So again, I I don't want to belabor this too much. I'll get into the questions here. If people have some back on the topic, I'm sure I'll jump back into it. Um, But my major takeaway is nothing new has happened. There's no more credibility to the rumors today than there was on day one of the winter meetings. It's important that you all know that, that the the further reporting and speculation on this isn't coming from the proverbial more smoke. It's just coming from people wanting to write about it because it's getting clicks. And that's part of why I didn't want to engage with it too much. Let's move into the questions. I'm sure we'll end up back on that topic again. Um, But Jake wants to know, what's my favorite walk-up song that is not your love? If we're talking all time, got to go with Larry Walker and Crazy Train. Uh, Not to be uh, disrespectful at all to Dante Bichette and Sledgehammer. Uh, Definitely, definitely big favorites at the time. Right now, God, are there any especially good ones. I'm trying to think. Um, I kind of like that, and it's not really my genre. The It's not my musician much, but I kind of like that Blake Shelton song that got really big last year. And Sam Hilliard was coming out to that. And I, I think it's, a, it's just a really dramatic, tension-filled song. And I, I like the way it sounds as a walk-up track. So... <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, a lot of the the players have uh, electro stuff or Latin pop that I'm not as familiar with. I'm trying to remember. Doesn't Scotty Oberg come out to something pretty dope? Um, I'm, I'm blanking on what Oberg comes out to now. Oh, and I really like. I mean, it's it's tough not to kind of roll your eyes at it now, but Wade Davis's walkout music is awesome. Uh, it's much better when he's actually closing out ball games, though. Uh, Shane wants to know how much playing time should Hampson get this season. A lot of that's going to be dependent on Hampson. If the end of his year was indicative of a, a big step forward in his career, and it is, you know, it coincides with a mechanical change. And so there's reason to believe that it's more quote unquote real, especially at his age and with his pedigree, and with things he's done in the minors, that yes, this is this is Hampson coming into his own, and if so, I think he'll play quite a bit. I don't think he'll be penciled in as a starter when the season begins. Uh, I, I think he'll be that kind of super utility guy who can play a lot, especially against left-handed pitching. The Rockies are going to be left-handed heavy in terms of their lineup, I think all of their starting outfielders are going to be left-handed and both their second baseman and first baseman and catcher. So really Nolan and Trevor are the only guys who are going to be right-handed in the everyday starting lineup. But I think the Rockies will then have both Hampson and Desmond and potentially maybe Brendan Rogers as their right-handers to play 
on those days against lefties or just to get guys in, get guys rest, all of the natural things that come with that. If Hampson continues to do well and literally any player, this is the great thing about Hampson is if he does hit basically because his defense is based on all the other things are there. Like he's, he's major league ready from every standpoint, except for probably the most important one. Can he hit? Can he be a factor at the plate? If he can, then whoever is the first player to dramatically underperform or get hurt. So if you think Daniel Murphy's just going to be a bust at first base, and he is, well, then you, you slide McMahon over. Hampson will quickly become, I think, your starting second baseman. Or if he's hurt. If David Dahl is injured, I think Hampson has as good a shot as anybody. And this, this blows me away a little bit. To take over as your everyday starting center fielder. Tapia, you know, we'll, we'll see how he shows up, how they're liking his defense at spring training. Hilliard, if he really, you know, shoots out of the, the bottle. There are a lot of factors here, but basically, Garrett Hampson is your catch-all. And so I think he's going to get a great deal of playing time because I do think that he has gotten through the worst of his rookie struggles. And while, you know, he's not just going to light the world on fire next year, I think he's going to be a very solid baseball player. Uh, KC wants to know, why are the Rocks still scared to go after a big-name starter? I guess the simple answer to that question is because it's never worked. And, you know, there's... I get why some people be frustrated about that. It's been a little while since they've even tried. Um, but more and more, I'm starting to come to the... I don't know if realization is the right word. I'm starting to put myself in a camp where I'm not sure the Rockies should ever be big players in free agency. I think they're at such a disadvantage when it comes to paying on the free market to get players of fair value to come to Coors Field because almost nobody wants to do that. <laughs> and as such, they end up having to overpay for people and every risk they take is exacerbated in ways that they aren't when other teams take risks. And then the fans get frustrated when the Rockies don't take risks and they get caught in between. And so anymore, I honestly think that they've got to build through trades and draft and develop their own farm system. And those are the things that have worked really well for them in the past. And, and trying to go get the big name guy who was great somewhere else and bringing him in, you know, it, it just hasn't worked. It really, it hadn't even really worked with position players either. So Jake says, is Sam Hilliard the everyday center fielder? If not, will it be a platooning situation? So I, I wrote about this recently, and I think it's going to be really interesting. There was a, a line, again, while everyone's focused on what did Jeff Breidich say about Nolan Arenado or not say about Nolan Arenado and all these other moves aren't getting made. I, I really hung on a few small things he said. Uh, our guy Patrick Lyons was out there attending his daily uh, sessions with the media. And one of the things that struck me was when he suggested that center field could be a time-sharing situation. Because they have I've asked that question many times before because... Not to, uh, not to whatever, but I was I was kind of early on this. Charlie Blackman's going to have to move off a of center field thing, like two years before he eventually did. I was 
you know, and, and, and plus I've been seeing David Dahl coming along in the minors. And before, you know, the last couple of injuries and some of the metrics at the big league level really started to dislike him, David Dahl was considered a pretty great defender. And that was my take as well. And so I do think the plan right now, based on conversations I had with Bud Black at the end of the season, is to start David Dahl in center field. And I think that's the right way to go. If healthy, I wrote this in the article, if healthy, the Rockies have their center fielder. The guy can rake, the guy can run, the guy can field, the guy can throw. He's a true five-star talent. You put David Dahl in center field, you feel good about it until further notice. But if everybody knock on wood, the thing happens, I think Hilliard has got as, as good a shot as anybody with, I think Hampson, Hilliard, and, and Tapia, it's a, it's a toss-up. And that's a great spot for the Rockies to be in because those are three plus athletes with all different kind of offensive profiles. I, you know, if, if you really dislike Ryan Tapia, how does a platoon of Hilliard and Hampson, lefty-righty in center field, that kind of speed and athleticism make you feel? That could be, and this is one of the things really interesting to me is why I think the Rockies outfield is in a really good spot and why it was so weird for me to read some of those early offseason articles about how, you know, they really got to get a, a, a new center fielder. They really got to do something in the outfield. What they got to do is not play Ian Desmond every day. In my mind, that's it. You've got two all-stars in Dolan Blackman, and then you've got Hampson, Hilliard, Tapia, Three young players with a ton of talent, potential, and athleticism who can give you a lot. And I and I think they've all started to come into the major leagues in their own way. Toppy and, and Hampson have really battled through some stuff. And they're guys who I think you can start to at least count on to be you know, productive everyday players. Hilliard, we have no idea. Hilliard could be anything from still, honestly, a year away to... If he gets super hot in spring training, smashes like 15 bombs, hits 330, looks like a stud in center field, I could see them saying, actually, let's put Hilliard in center and move Dahl over to left and have these other guys be our depth weapons. I could see that happening. So the window for Hilliard is just massive, right? Like I said, he, he could be no factor at all next year and, and not through any real fault of his own. It's still very early in his career in terms of experience at the big league level. Or he could be your everyday center fielder and never look back. He could be one of those guys who just was overlooked and underrated his entire minor league career. People kept expecting the numbers to come down, but it turns out a guy who's 6'5", 230, and can sprint like the wind... Just good ball player. Jam says, what's Tapia's place on the team in 2020? Is it third outfield? Is the third outfield spot his to lose? So we were just going over some of this. And so I don't want to rehash too much of that. But I will say right now, yes, I believe that left field is Tapia's spot to lose right now. Now, he doesn't he doesn't have an iron grip on that thing by any means. I think he could have taken one if he hadn't gotten hurt at the end of the year. And he just finished out hitting well and playing the kind of defense uh, that he was in the second half of the year. But 
I do think that, yes, Hampson's going to figure into the outfield a decent amount, especially if they ever incur any kind of injury out there. But right now, as I see the depth chart, I see Tapia atop of it in left with Desmond probably as his, as his primary backup out there. And uh, Hampson coming off the bench. Again, like I said, Hilliard can change this thing in a hurry with a huge spring training. But as it stands right now, I think he's likely to start the year in AAA. Um, and that's just me being very conservative on projections, just looking at the depth chart and where they stand right now. And I don't think the Rockies. Now, they could do something interesting with that 26th roster spot, right? That could get really interesting. Um <clears throat> They've been a little bit handcuffed in years past because they've carried a four-man bench, and one of those guys has to be a backup catcher. And so you need either versatility out of those other three guys or for them to just fit the exact right positions. Uh, so you can carry a player. They they could go a couple of different ways with it. Um, and I should mention before I'm getting... I'm getting really, really deep into this. I got to give a shout out to our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group. You guys know them. You love them. They're absolutely fantastic. And they are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Um. But yeah, so as I was saying there, I'm I'm being a little bit uh, conservative with how I, I think this will play out. But Hilliard is a major X factor in this because we really don't know, and I I feel like we really don't know should be a little bit more a part of this. Rocky's conversation than it is. And that's part of why I've, I've had such pushback. You know, I was having this thought today. Um, so I've been covering the Rockies for about seven years. I'll be going this, I'll be going into my eighth, right? And I've been watching them for 27, how they're going into 27, 28. Yeah. <clears throat> and so in the seven years that I've been covering the Rockies, my general take on the team has been has lined up with the consensus take on the team once in my recollection, one time, really. And that was last season when almost everybody thought the Rockies were going to be good and it didn't work out that way. The rest of the time, my take has been pretty far outside the consensus as it is right now, as it was in 2017 and the years before that, as I saw them improving. But, you know, it's just, it, look, that's a total coincidence. That's not how it works. But I, I do think it's kind of funny that, it, you know, I, I feel far more comfortable in this space where everyone seems to think the Rockies are a total disaster. And I'm looking at a team that's, you know, very close in terms of its roster construction to one that won 91 games and just about everything that could go wrong for them last year did go wrong for them. And I see 2019 as an outlier 
where other folks are seeing 2017 and 2018 as outliers. And that all makes a certain amount of sense. But as we were just discussing with the outfield, you know, how many, and, and this is, so there's another question about Nolan here. So I'll go ahead and, and put that conversation back on the table. But this is part of why it is frustrating to allow the conversation to be driven by folks. And this may not seem like it's connected, but it is, who don't know who Sam Hilliard is. You know what I mean? Like, he maybe, like I just said, he might have zero impact on next season, but he also might be the Rockies' starting center fielder for the entire year. What is our window on Kyle Freeland? Well, we know he's at least capable of pitching to a sub three ERA and finishing fourth in Cy Young voting, but we also know he's capable of pitching to an 850 ERA and having to be sent down to AAA. The difference between those two things is massive for the results of the Colorado Rockies. And I think there are a lot of these, we just don't know. We really don't know. We don't know what Wade Davis is going to be. We don't know what Kyle Freeland is going to be. We don't know how healthy David Dahl will be or what role Sam Hilliard is going to play. And so I think the desire to bury this team in the dirt uh, before they've really had a chance to give it another go is... That, that's why, that's a big part of the reason. It's not that I think there's zero legitimacy in any of the rumors that are out there. It's that I know the people who are driving this don't care about you as Rockies fans. One, they they just don't care about you or your team at all. And they don't know the the rest of the nuance of the situation. They don't have a take on Ryan McMahon. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it, it is difficult to get into this part of the conversation because there's so much unknown for the people that know the most. So the people that, that have a surface level reading of the organization, there's only so much you can do. Casey says, I think Nolan stays until at least the deadline of 21 season. I think he can opt out the end of that season if the front office doesn't show they want to win. That's exactly right. We're having this conversation a year at least before it needs to. Another thing people keep forgetting because we're all prisoners of the moment, and I totally understand that, is that the Rockies' money crunch, as frustrating as it is right now that they literally won't spend any money at all, it is temporary. It ends after this season. And then there's a whole other schedule of 162 ball games that they can try to win with whatever they go out and buy with the extra 35 to $40 million that come off the books after the end of the season to continue to convince Nolan to stay around if you think that's your only way to succeed as a franchise. And then if he does opt out, well, there's another $35 million a year you've got to spend 
and Ryan McMahon plays third base. Like the the sky is falling scenario is just really interesting to me. But again, I think it's built more on a lack of understanding of where the Rockies are truly at. So much of it is built on and this belief it has to be that the Rockies were never actually good to begin with. And that's what's, you know, I we've been over that, but I just can't get on board with. Sam points out correctly, <laughs> says, I loved when Giambi used the NWO Wolfpack theme as his walk-up. Totally agree. Anytime somebody wants to use WWF, or wow, how old am I? WWE stuff. That's WCW even. Wrong company. Terrible. Terrible. Uh, yeah, wrestling stuff is fun. That's right. Thank you, Jake. Oberg comes out to Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. I knew it was something awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Ober. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. Jam wants to know, how do we round out the rotation after Gray, Marquez, Freeland? Lambert seems like a decent number five to roll with. Who slots into that fourth starter spot? So here's where we come to the part where the people who say, I'm never critical of the Rockies or I can't see problems with the team because I only ever talk about the positive. Here's my issue. This is the thing that I could screw up their whole season. I don't know. Talk about, talk about, I was talking about earlier what we don't know. Um, I have no idea. And uh, players with windows who, you know, we haven't seen positive from at the big league level yet. You're talking Lambert, Sensatella, Jeff Hoffman, Chichi Gonzalez, Tim Melville. Now, that's five guys, any of whom could be decent pitchers at the big league level. Be, you know, how good do you have to be to be a, a number four? For the Rockies, you know, it, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly, but can they get a four or five? Two solid pitchers out of the five names I just mentioned, they could. Um, it, I particularly have a belief in Antonio Sensatella. I would guess that because he does have a, a bigger body of work and while the peripherals aren't great, it's a good thing Manny Rondawa isn't here. Antonio Sensatella has found a way to win ballgames, to get... That good old-fashioned pitcher win. It's strange, and, it and you know, some of it's run support, and some of it's could just be random, dumb-ass luck, all right? However, if Sensatella gives you, even in his bad times, the numbers he's given the Rockies over the last three years, he's a perfectly acceptable number five if... You know, especially particularly that win percentage, which you can't really count on. And, and that's why there is like, this is my most critical thing. I think the, the Rockies need a fourth starter and it doesn't appear as though they can get one. They're not going to spend the money. Um, Jeff Breidich doesn't have the money, but that's because he already spent it poorly or at least spent it in ways that didn't work out. You know, I saw the Dellen Batances thing today, and I was looking at Dellen Batances' numbers. You know what they reminded me of? Wade Davis. <laughs> uh, I, I, I still, I look back at those, and it's like, Jake McGee, Wade Davis, and Brian Shaw were some of the most consistent and reliable relievers in all of baseball until they came to Colorado. 
know, and Batanz is going to be hurt for most of next season. So those are the kinds of things talking again. Why don't the Rockies take these risks anymore? It's just, what are you going to do? You know, go out and get Batances like that's not the same thing they've done before. Like there's zero chance he would come to Coors Field and turn into a pumpkin. And then two years from now, we'd be talking about Dellen Batances the way we're talking about Wade Davis right now or Brian Shaw. Um, so this, this fourth rotation spot jam is really frustrating because, you know, seeing Roark go now, now he went for a little more than I thought he would, but still in years past, that was the kind of deal the Rockies could have done. They can't now again, because they put themselves in this situation, but reality is Dick Monfort's not giving Jeff Breidich more money to spend. And so he can't just go out and get another dude. I wish they'd try to make a trade somewhere here. And this is something I could see happening is they get off to a, a solid start just because Gray Marquez Freeland pitch well. I don't know if you guys have heard, but they've got some star players over on the left side of the infield and in the outfield and some young players who are coming into their prime uh, as candidates for second base and left field and a solid rebound candidate for at least a better offensive year at first base. And so they get off to a, a solid start, right? Maybe even Rodgers is crushing in AAA, or maybe he's made the big league team, or Welker's taken another step forward, or Hampson and Tapia both look good, making one or the other of them more movable in a trade and more desirable for another team. And so rather than getting off to a 3-12 and 12 start, Rockies get off to a 12-3 and three start, but it's clear that Senzatella and Lambert at the bottom end of the rotation isn't working out and, and Hoffman and Chi Chi and Tim, and you're not sure about the whole thing. So they finally make the move and they spend uh, a Welker or a Rogers or a Hilliard or a Tapia or a Hampson. If these guys are playing well, again, this, this is a big if, and, and they've got some value, then you can make a trade. And even like trading Brendan Rogers for a fourth starter would be a massive overpay. So, you know, maybe you're talking about moving one of those guys for a more front-end starter. Again, hoping that somebody can come from outside of Coors Field and, and pitch well here. But options will become available via the trade market if the team can get off to a good start. And I, and I honestly think that that's a major, major factor in all of this is going to be the first two and a half, three months of the upcoming season. It is possible that if the Rockies just are playing horrible baseball and are nowhere close to contention that, yeah, they do actually start. It won't be a full rebuild, but exploring anything from trading Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story and John Gray on down. And the other way could go, they get off to a good start. They sign Gray and Story to extensions and they make a trade from their farm system to acquire another starting pitcher. And all of a sudden, the Rockies look like they, yes, Noel could really challenge for the NL West. Now, I don't expect that to happen. That's in the lower percentile possibilities. Um, I think I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but it's been a couple of years, and so I'm going to bring it back up. There's a really great scene, or really just character, in the third Men in Black movie, <laughs> of all things. And it's like this 
time alien who can see a bunch of different possibilities, right? And it's great because it's this whole metaphor for how we tend to believe as human beings in what has happened and that that is the only thing that could have happened. I'll pull from another sci-fi movie, the Morpheus and the Matrix uh, says at one point, no, what happened had to have happened and could not have happened any other way. And I think we as sports fans get locked into that kind of thinking because it makes us feel a little bit more comfortable about the reality of we don't know. I mean, how many people truly honestly picked the Washington Nationals to win the World Series when the postseason started? Now, how many of them picked them to even be in the postseason at all before the season started? Some did. I mean, they, they, they were probably a semi-popular pick to at least get a wild card. But I would be willing to bet that less than 5% of people who cover baseball for a living picked the Washington Nationals to win the World Series before the season started. Now, that does not mean that, well, they were all wrong and we're all stupid and we don't know anything about baseball and the Nationals winning was the only possible outcome. It's just what happened. And it's part of why I just can't buy into these notions of, well, there's no possible way, you know, when, when somebody says to me, can the Rockies win the NL West? The answer to that question, no matter how bad the team is, is almost always going to be, yeah, there's a path. There's a way. It, it might be the most unlikely. And so uh, the reason I brought up the character from Men in Black is because he actually uses baseball as an example of unlikely events occurring. And he uses particularly the 1986 Mets winning the World Series, being one of his favorite memories throughout all of human history because of how unlikely it was. And for me, that's the beauty of baseball. It, it really, you can catch lightning in a bottle. If a couple of things happen right at the right time, it's a 25-man roster. That's a lot of moving parts. If Freeland comes out hot, Ryan McMahon takes a step forward, shoot, the Rockies could be a powerhouse. If it goes the other way, they could be the worst team in the National League. I don't know what we're going to see. I don't know. But for me, that's exciting. For, for some people, I think they've just got to believe the team is going to be terrible, so they're either one right or two, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> and and that's just, you know, that's there, there's an old term for it. It's, it's the, I can't remember exactly what the term for it is, but I've always called it the cynics compromise. Um, just, it, you, you just believe everything is going to be terrible. So you either get to be proven right or say, oh, I guess this was good. And 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 then you're pleasantly surprised. It's, it's, a, it's a nice safe haven. And, and John, I agree with your trade idea. Let's not, trade Nolan. No, no, no. Um, unless some team goes crazy, it's just not going to happen anytime soon. The absolute earliest would be at this deadline. And for that to occur, a lot of things would have to line up. The Rockies would, and this is the other thing. I think a lot of people think that it's as simple as if the Rockies are terrible, Nolan leaves. Like it's a one-to-one. -one. It's like, no, if the Rockies are terrible and 
a couple other teams in baseball are looking like they're maybe better, and those teams have money to spend, and those teams have decided to uh, collectively bargain in the next CBA that these veteran players in their 30s can continue to make this much money, and the younger players are going to continue to get shut out, and the players' union goes along with that, and it turns out that Nolan Arenado continues to be fantastic for the next two years, and it turns out that the Colorado Rockies struggle for that whole thing. Yeah, if seven or eight or nine things come together, yes, no one could get traded or opt out. But it's not as simple as, well, if the Rockies are bad, he's gone. It's just not. Uh, things in life are rarely that simple, unfortunately. Right? It'd be nice. And also the new Star Wars movie was good. All right, that is my time for today. All the Star Wars movies are good. Get off your high horse. Uh <laughs> I promise you that made some people way angrier than anything I've ever said about the Rockies, but I enjoy them. Uh, thank you all for hanging out with me today. I'm going to do another one of these a little bit later on. Like I said, I've got some making up of ground to do. I've got a few podcasts that just never went up that I've got to get posted, uh, but I've also got to do some holiday stuff. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all of you uh, and, and yours. Uh, I, I truly cannot tell you enough how much I appreciate each one of you taking the time to ask me questions, to subscribe to DNVR, subscribe to the podcast, uh, continue the conversation going on. Uh, I know sometimes uh, I get very frustrated at the overall narrative surrounding the Colorado Rockies, but I also want to make it clear that I, I'm never frustrated uh, with you guys, with the fans, uh, with the people who are showing up to ask questions, even if we completely disagree. I love doing this. Uh, I love doing it every day. Um, I, I just want to make sure that I am as accessible to you as possible, and I will always be here for any fair-minded uh, debate conversation. Of course, I've, I've gotten more and more sensitive about the trolling stuff over the years. If you're going to troll me, I'm, I'm just not going to take the time. But thank you to everyone who's been there for some great, honest conversation uh, you guys really do bring out the best in me. And so thank you so much. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm going to be back before too long for those of you who you know don't do too much holiday stuff. My gift to you will be a bunch of podcasts coming so that you can uh, avoid all of that stuff and just stick with your Rockies over these next couple of weeks. So thank you all for tuning in. I hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins best sports bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern.